Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello everybody and welcome along to this episode of La Liga Lowdown where we'll be recapping match day 29 of the La Liga season, the second round since the competition resumed after the coronavirus pause. I'm your host Drew Mateer and we've got contributors from across the country coming up as we dissect the big storylines of the match day. And let's begin with the final fixture of the round, Real Madrid versus Valencia, which took place at 10pm on Thursday night after a goalless first half Real Madrid ran out 3-0 winners and there are so many talking points to get through. Two goals from Karim Benzema and one from Marco Asensio on his return to action got the job done. Some vast, he's got the pace to beat him and he's turned wow. in! Oh, wow. I do wow. not believe it! Marco Asensio with his first touch within seconds of coming on, his first touch of the season is a beautifully taken volley. It was a very entertaining game and a very even one. For the most part, Paco Pollitt was watching along as a fan of Valencia and he joins me now. Paco, the big turning point of the game was surely the Valencia goal for Rodrigo Moreno that was ruled out in the first half for offside for Maxi Gomez's interference. What's your thoughts? Should it have been ruled out? Absolutely not. And here's my reasoning. The sentence, when in doubt the goal should be allowed, has died alongside many other things in this 2019-2020 season and the implementing of BAR. Remember, this tool is supposedly only used when a flagrant mistake from the ref takes place. Maxi Gomez actually raises his hand and tries not to get involved in the play after Soler's pass towards Rodrigo. But again, if the referee checks it on the telly and decides to disallow the goal, there's not really much you can say. Mine is just an opinion, somebody may say it's biased, I think the play is dubious to say the least and again, when in doubt, the goal should be allowed. But it seems that's no longer the case. Mm, I do think it should have been ruled out, though I do think he was interfering. In any case, after that goal was cancelled, Real Madrid were really good in attack. This was actually Jasper Silicon's first ever match against Real Madrid in his career, something that surprised me, and he had to make 11 saves in this game. Incredibly, that's 18% of all the saves he's made this La Liga season. So, Real Madrid probably deserved to win by a few on the balance of things. What made Real Madrid so hard for Valencia to stop? Both their improvement in the second half and the way Valencia slowly declined their performance. The subs by Albert Celades didn't help either. They actually made the team worse. But I think he was clearly conditioned by so many games being played in such short amount of time. The perfect example is Dani Parejo being subbed, when he traditionally always plays the 90 minutes of every game. But this shouldn't subtract merit from what Real did. Their second period was really, really good. Brilliant. Especially the way Benzema played in front and how they overpower the opposition in the midfield. Let's talk about Marco Asensio, a goal with his first touch in his return, his first match since a pre-season friendly against Arsenal on July 24th 
of last year when he suffered that devastating ACL injury. An assist too for Benzema's stunning second goal, even as a Valencia fan. Were you happy for him? It's always good news when a young player is back to playing after such a long recovery period. And yes, what a way to be back to business. I believe it's something very few players have. That sort of magic touch of being able to score in the first official ball that you have contact with after a nine-month hiatus. The way Asensio celebrated the goal and some of his teammates ran towards him and hugged him and said, this is how you make a comeback to his face, it was overall pretty heartwarming. I think he looked good, a bit out of form, but you know, that was a given. And Real Madrid fans have reasons to be excited about in their remaining nine games. And also, let's talk about Kang in Lee, who came on in the 76th minute and got sent off in the 89th for hacking away at Sergio Ramos. We've actually discussed his temper before after some nasty tackles on Carles Perez and Santiago Arias earlier in the season. Paco, what's gone wrong there with the South Korean? <laughs> um, regarding Kanjin Lee, as we usually say in Spanish, se le está juntando todo. You know, everything negative is coming together and affected the player to its core. I actually think that the red card was very harsh on him. He was battling for possession of the ball with Sergio Ramos and, you know, you cannot be soft when doing such thing with such an opposite player. But his temper and lack of experience make him an easy prey for the watchful eye of any referee. Kanjin has had a very disappointing season, both in opportunities received and in the impact he's had on those few games he's played. After such a year, I expect Valencia to try a different approach next season and loan him to a team where he really has the chance to grow. In my view, his progression this year has obviously been driven to a halt. Okay, thanks to Paco for that insight, but don't worry everyone, there's even more Paco to come later in the podcast. For now, we'll stick with the title race and Barcelona remain top of the table as they made it two wins from two, although they weren't quite as impressive this time in their 2-0 win over Leganes on Tuesday as when they thrashed Real Mallorca 4-0 on Saturday, not just because of the scoreline, but just the general play. Leganes, though, they were bad. They even rested some of their best players because they've got a huge relegation six-pointer against Mallorca at the weekend. There was even a point in the second half, right, where not a single Leganes player on the pitch had scored a La Liga goal in the current season. And even more amazingly, had Barcelona substituted on Martin Brathwaite at that point, then there would have been more Barcelona players with goals for Leganes this season than Leganes players with goals for Leganes this season. Amazing. Also brilliant in this game, something I really loved, was Leganes coach Javier Aguirre getting himself sent off from mimicking the referee's whistle on the sideline, trying to confuse the Barcelona players. He now faces a touchline ban for this trip to Mallorca, although if he's in the stands of an empty stadium, then I guess he can still get his instructions across if he just shouts a little louder. Anyway, let's bring in our Barcelona correspondent, Roman de Arquer now. And Roman, it's two wins against two teams in the relegation zone so far. What are your thoughts of Barcelona's performances so far since the restart? Well, so far, Barca have managed to get the job done, which is what they needed, to get the three points, to get the necessary goals, and to stay at the top of the standings, basically. But in terms of their performances, I mean, it could have been better, of course, but I don't expect too much more taken into account. They've been three months without playing 
competitive football so I can understand that at the beginning you need a bit of time you know to get at your peak form and, and to show your best football against Mallorca it has to be said that I think uh, they were a side which was a bit more offensive than Leganes they were trying to find their goal they were more uh, they had more opportunities in general whereas Leganes of course had good counterattacks, but they were really tightly knit at the back really closed down and of course Barca tends to struggle to break down these teams so in the end they managed uh, to do so with those two goals but it wasn't easy has to be said and also we know that Leganes are fighting for their lives so they're a team they're going to give the 150% every single game Against Leganes Barcelona once again had lots of possession without actually creating many chances is this good enough from Kiki Setien? It might not be good enough from Kike Setien, but is it good enough for Kike Setien? Why am I saying this? Well, of course, Real Madrid are chasing him down, so he can certainly feel the pressure from them. You know, it's going to be a race right till the end, and any slip-up, any dropping points could be crucial at this stage. So I think Kike Setien would be willing to sacrifice the style slightly, even though he'd possibly never admit that, in order to get the title and, you know, crown themselves champions before Real Madrid. But of course, then next season, he'd have to deliver no matter what in terms of style, because that's what he came for. And we saw that with Valverde, just results is not enough. What about the Griezmann problem? He just doesn't seem to fit in. It's really quite surprising how he just isn't fitting in as um, you'd expect. I mean, I at least thought that he was going to be a great fit for Barcelona because he's a very uh, intelligent player with a high IQ. He knows how to move without the ball. And then, of course, his quality on the ball is exceptional. But just there seems to be that lack of connection between him and the rest of his teammates. I don't know if it's the position he's been playing in these first two games as a false nine or or what exactly, but he just can't find the groove and, and this, the the comfort he had in Atletico Madrid or Real Sociedad, for example. And it's really mesmerizing because Griezmann is such a good player. But it has happened that really good players have arrived to the Camp Nou and then uh, I don't know if it's the club itself, if it's the style, if it's Messi that intimidates them in some way and then they just don't approve all that quality they'd shown previously with other teams such as um, also with Coutinho we've seen the same problem Andre Gomez had a similar problem they come to the Camp Nou and they just aren't capable of uh, showing what they're worth but hopefully uh, in due time uh, Griezmann will finally bring out all his quality I mean sometimes it takes time and we'll have to be patient maybe Ansu Fati and Ricky Pooch both impressed how exciting is this for the future? It's fantastic news and it comes to prove that Barca still is producing a lot of talent in La Masia and these are just two examples more. I mean Ansu Fati, we've seen what he's done so far, he's just a, a fantastic player, I love how he isn't intimidated by any defender, he's always like attack minded, always trying to get past defenders and he's already managed goals, I mean in La Liga he's played 735 minutes and he's already scored 5 goals which is like if you had been scoring a goal every game and a half, I mean it's really impressive for a 7 17-year-old who's barely started uh, playing in, in the top level, you know, so that's uh, great news for Barcelona. And then on the other hand, Ricky Puig, I was really impressed. I think it was possibly his best or one of his best performances uh, with uh, Barcelona's uh, top team. And I think he was really brave in that game. He maybe was less intimidated by the fact that there weren't fans there and he just let himself go. And he even had a really good chance to score, almost got that goal and it was just so close. But two talents, which uh, we have to keep an eye out for. And we have to, you know, take care of because we want them to work and we want them to be important in the future. Finally, Roman, a look ahead to Sevilla on Friday night. Normally, this is a very tough fixture for Barcelona away at the Sanchez Piswan, but 
at an empty Sanchez piece one. Is it still a tough game? I think it's going to be a tough game no matter what. I mean, Sevilla are always a difficult side to play against. And it's also going to be Barca's actual big test now coming back from the break. And I think it will kind of define where Barca will go on from here until the end of the season. If they're actually going to be capable of contending for that title or they're just going to flake it, you know, and then... Get, start losing points or whatever so I think it's going to be a crucial game in that sense and also I mean not having fans of course is beneficial for Barcelona but at the same time they're going to play in Andalucía which is such a hot territory and even though the game's at night it's still going to be really intense and the conditions aren't going to be ideal for them so that will also make it difficult and let's not forget Sevilla themselves they have a great squad they've been playing wonderful football this season and they're trying to finish in the podium and getting straight into the Champions League so they're definitely going to uh, put a battle here in front of Barcelona and it's going to be very interesting to see which team can pull with a win. Thanks Roman, we'll all be tuning in for that blockbuster match on Friday night. So Barcelona and Real Madrid are two of the three teams to have kept up a 100% record since the return from the break. The only other team to have won both the fixtures since the break is Villarreal. A 1-0 win at Celta Vigo and then a 1-0 win at home to Mallorca on Tuesday with a Carlos Baca goal. So let's focus on them for a little bit with our good friend from the Villarreal USA SB Nation site, Alan Dodson. Two wins from two, Alan. It couldn't have gone much better, right? You're definitely in that European race. Yeah, we we're definitely in the hunt for Europe. It's not going to be easy. We have seven of our nine matches remaining are against teams in the top nine. Um, so that's not an easy ask. On the other hand, with 44 points, I think if we could get, say, to 59, so five wins out of nine, I think would probably take us into Europe. So it's so it's good. Um, interestingly, our defense, two clean sheets in a row, um, which is unusual. Um, our offense has struggled, though. Um, we've had a lot of difficulty um, getting Paco Alcacer really involved in the play, I think. And that's been a little difficult. The Mallorca win on Tuesday night wasn't as impressive as the Celta performance, though. Why was that, do you think? For whatever reason, even when there is a real crowd there, um, we, we struggle to put away teams that we dominate early and teams that we are really better than. And that um, nearly burned us at the end. I'm still not sure how the they didn't score on that rather comical sequence um, right at the end of, of uh, regulation time. Um, but, hey, we got, we got uh, screwed on when we played in their ground, so I guess we'll take it. <laughs> well, fair enough. What goes around comes around. Alan, what have you made of Santi Cazorla? He seems a bit tired to me. How much has he played so far? Because it's not been much. He's played basically a half in each of the first two matches. And I think, to be fair, he was, even before um, the COVID-19 interruption, he was not having as good matches the last few as he had earlier in the season. And I think, you know, you, you return to Virial, you play a lot on adrenaline um, and coming back from being off for a couple of years. Um, I think maybe that's worn off now. And I think it probably does take him longer to get um, back in back in playing mode um, than, than some of our younger players. And I think he's also been a player who is very emotional and very 
that's part of what the fans love about him is his passion and his the the love he has for the club. And I suspect he's having a hard time um, with with uh, no fans there. The flip side is that with five substitutions per match, we're able to if we give if we get fifty five sixty minutes out of him a match that that may be fine because you still have four subs left. So I think Kaeha has sort of been using him in that in that mode. Okay, and lastly, can you tell us a bit about the cardboard fans? It's quite a unique thing out of all the La Liga clubs. The cardboard fans are, are an interesting touch, aren't they? Um, it's a bit of a joke when it was first um, suggested at Virial, I think, because the joke is that you know, our ground is hardly an imposing place to play. Our, our fans are generally very polite. They, they enjoy good football. They, they clap and everything. But it's not an intimidating ground most times. And so a couple of people said, well, you know, you're not going to know the difference anyway, are you? But it looks really nice. I think it's, I think it's a, another neat way for the club to connect to the fans. And um, you probably heard that uh, not only do we have season ticket holders um, displayed I guess in the seats where they normally would be in most cases. Um, but we also, uh, former player Cedric Bakambu contacted the club and said, Hey, I'm, I'm a Virial fan. Can you, can you, uh, put my picture up there? So he is in fact behind one of the goals in the front row. <laughs> um, so that's pretty cool. That is cool. Actually. I'll need to keep an eye out for Bakambu then at the next VRL home game. That next home game will be on Monday and a very tasty looking game against Sevilla. Okay, Alan, thanks as always for the VRL insight. We're going to take a quick break now and then we'll be back with the rest of the recap of this midweek match day. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome back to this La Liga Lowdown podcast on match day 
29 of the 2019-20 season. This is the second match day since the restart and it actually brought about our first goal as draws since the restart. After there was at least one goal in every game of match day 28, we had two 0 nils this time. They were both interesting in their own way though. On Tuesday, we saw Hitafi and Espanyol draw 0-0 which was an especially disappointing result for Hitafi because Espanyol's Bernardo was sent off just 16 minutes in, yet Hitafi couldn't break them down over the remaining 75. The other 0-0 was real by the lead versus Celta Vigo where Celta Vigo changed their tactics again and looked as disjointed as they've often done during the Oscar Garcia era, but Celta Vigo have a reinforcement coming. This is one of the wildest stories of the week. What happened is that Celta Vigo's backup goalkeeper Sergio Alvarez suffered a long-term injury and because of this, Celta Vigo were granted permission to make an emergency signing, similar to the Barcelona and Brathwaite situation. But this emergency signing, and if you could see me right now, you'd see me making sarcastic speech marks in the air when I say that. This emergency signing isn't limited by position, so they were able to go out and sign the forward in the form of Sevilla's Nolito, who makes his return to Vigo and took him play straight away to help out Celta Vigo in their relegation battle. It's crazy, and to top it all off, this forward, who is signing as cover for a goalkeeper, will be wearing the number 3 shirt. Bizarre. But an interesting twist in this final stage of the season. While we're on Celta Vigo, one other thing to say right now is that our thoughts at La Liga Lowdown are absolutely with former Celta Vigo coach Juan Carlos Unzui and his family right now after the sad news that he has been diagnosed with motor neuron disease. Very sad news for the Spanish footballing family this week and we're all thinking about Unzui right now. Let's turn focus now to another team in the relegation battle to Aibar. They had a bass derby at Ipurua against Athletic Club on Wednesday and it was a back and forth 2-2 draw with a penalty for both sides and one goal scored by Kiki Garcia's face and another by Asier Villalibre's knee. So Dan Parry joins us now and Dan, who's happier with the point because both Athletic and Aibar really would have had this one circled as a potential three-point haul. Yeah, it's difficult to say really. I imagine that both teams will be slightly disappointed as at certain points in the game they both had the lead and, and let it slip. But maybe in general, looking back, uh, Eibar will be happier to come away with a point and Athletic will be more disappointed not to get the victory as that now leaves them, I think, five points off Villarreal in seventh in, sorry, in seventh place. Um, so yeah, I reckon probably probably Eibar. And if you look at the the games coming up, Eibar have some quite tough games. So the next five games are all against top half teams. And then they have three games in a row against fellow bottom half relegation candidates. So I think any kind of points that they can get from their next five games is a, is a bonus for Eibar leading into those three essential matches. Yeah, definitely. And sticking with this game, it was a very physical game, wasn't it? A classic Bass derby. It was a very typically Bass game. In fact, if you spend any time up here and you manage to go to any lower league matches, they all look like that. Very physical, very intense, a lot of long balls, a lot of crosses, a lot of headers and a lot of elbows. It's very Basque and I love it. Gaiska Garitano actually called out Iker Munyain in his post-match comments. He said Iker misplaced a lot of passes. Was that surprising to see the coach single out one player? Is it to send a message or what was behind that? Yeah, I was a little bit surprised when I saw that sort of headline. 
And then I looked back and I saw it in context. And I think actually after that, he said something about how a lot of footballers at the moment are struggling with their first touch and technique as a, you know, as a result of not playing football for so long. So I'm not sure it's so much a dig at Iker especially, although it is true that Garitano is sort of a manager who wants players to take responsibility. And the truth is that for Athletic, in terms of attack, we have a lot of power and we have a lot of pace, but we don't have a lot of finesse. And Iker Munyain, he's very important in that respect because he, he gives Athletic that creative outlet in the final third. And we really need him to be on point in order to pick up wins from these matches. Thanks, Dan. And that's why we get you on to give us the full context. And the other coach, Jose Luis Mendilibar, he got himself sent off after being his lively self. Do you know exactly what it was for? I wasn't actually entirely sure why he got sent off in the match. Um, he sent out one of uh, the coaching staff, Andoni Azcarcota, after the match. He was the guy that did the post-match press conference and he said that the referee had heard something he didn't like, but he him, he himself hadn't heard anything from Mendilibar that seemed that serious that it warranted a red card. It's actually the fifth red card in four seasons now for Jose Luis Mendilibar, which is kind of crazy for a manager, really. Thanks, Dan. We had another Bass Derby as well this midweek in the form of Alaves versus Real Sociedad. And this one did have a winner because Alaves beat Real Sociedad 2-0. This means they've won all their home Bass Derbies so far this season as they'd already beat Athletic Club and Ibar at home. And they've got another regional rivalry next week when Osasuna come to town. So look out for that one. Speaking of Osasuna, they just got absolutely thrashed by an Atletico Madrid side that was unusually clinical. Atleti won 5-0 at the mid-redevelopment Elsa Darwith, Joao Felix getting two, and Marcos Juventi, Alvaro Morata, and Yannick Carrasco scoring two. Here's what Jan Oblak had to say about the win in a La Liga interview after the match. Today's match, uh, we start, we start well, we enter with a lot of uh, uh, intensity and I think uh, we did a great job, we didn't stop when we score a first goal, uh, maybe for 5-10 minutes, but then we see that like that it's impossible and then we we start to play like we know to play, so we start to score goaling, go- goals and in the end, we can be happy with the result, with five goals, uh, and be sure that we can we can do uh, much more than we did until now. So I hope we're gonna we're gonna keep going like that, uh, and and that we, we we're gonna keep scoring goals. Let's finish this episode by going all the way back to Monday, which seems like an age ago, and by reflecting on the first couple of games of the match day. Real Betis versus Granada was particularly fun, especially in the final few minutes as Betis came from behind to lead before they were caught up again by a Roberto Soldado goal for a 2-2 draw. Fine margins in that one and thin ice for Ruby, the Betis coach. We've seen a lot of articles this week talking about how Ruby has seven lives because in Spain cats don't have nine lives, they have just seven and Ruby is close to using all of his up. He's so close to the sack but that result, that draw, keeps him in his job for now. Sevilla, meanwhile, they also drew their second game back. And this was a very interesting one because it was played in La Nucia in Alicante. This is Levante's new home for the rest of the season while construction work takes place on their usual stadium. And this stadium saw the two teams draw 1-1. Let's get our second dose of Paco Pollock now and bring him back in. Paco, another late point, 
for Levante, this time their equaliser coming in the 87th minute after their 97th minute equaliser in the derby last week. What does the fact that they're finishing matches so strongly say about this team? Well, many things. The first one, that their physical state is very good. Fighting back against Sevilla and pushing them back into their own box isn't easy for any team. It also speaks very well of the way Paco Lopez manages the five subs available to his team's advantage. I think I have spoken before about this. The fact that you have five subs in this season's final rush brings the coaches and their expertise more into the spotlight. It's easier to change the flow of a game with so many subs and Levante have benefited from this in both games played so far. Is Julian Lopetegui partly to blame for switching Sevilla to ultra-defensive tactics towards the end? Yeah, possibly so, but again, it has worked for Sevilla quite a lot of times this season. In fact, I believe one of the main reasons they have been able to sit comfortably within the first three or four spots for most of the year lies on their defensive skills, with Fernando in the midfield and Diego Carlos as one of the best newcomers to the competition. This time it didn't work out for them, but I wouldn't forget about that pinch of luck which Levante actually had with the rebound inside the box which made the cross from the wing finally become Levante's equaliser. And finally, what was it like to see Levante play in La Nucia? What did the players and coaches at Levante think about that? Um, I have to say that the main TV shot made the stadium to look pretty good, even though it has the unfortunate condition of being an Olympic stadium. But again, there isn't really much of a difference between regular grounds and stadiums with a track surrounding them when there's no actual fans inside the facility. I think Levante and their players are quite happy with the switch. The trip down to La Nucia in Alicante isn't really that long and is made by bus, and they can take the time advantage of performing construction works in their own Ciutat de Valencia towards next season. So, at least in these few first days, Levante seemed quite comfortable in their new home ground. Okay, thank you Paco. So that's match day 29 recapped, and we're on to the next one, to match day 30, which begins on Friday night. Huge matches in the title races. We've got Sevilla versus Barcelona and Real Sociedad versus Real Madrid, but also some tasty relegation battles like Real Mallorca versus Leganes. We'll be back on Monday to discuss all that. For now, I've been your host, Hugh McTeer, and I've been joined by Paco Pollitt, Roman de Arcair, Alan Dodson, and Dan Parry. Speak to you all soon, and thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.